A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards Galland. You are with us on the program today. Coming up here in a matter of moments, we're going to be talking with Alan Gottlieb of the Second Amendment Foundation, talking about the confirmation hearings for Judge Amy Coney Barrett, which continue onto a third day here, a second day of questioning for Judge Barrett from the members of the Senate Judiciary Committee. And, uh, you know, mostly a repeat of what we saw on Tuesday, uh, at least so far anyway. A lot of questions about the Affordable Care Act, a lot of questions about uh, uh, Roe versus Wade, and a lot of questions about the Second Amendment, particularly coming from uh, senators like Dick Durbin of Illinois, uh, who, as we went into great detail yesterday, simply appears to not understand the plain meaning of the Constitution, uh, and, uh, you know, keeps going back to this idea, well, that, well, listen, if we're talking about originalism, doesn't that just mean that, you know, you protect the right to own a musket and we've got, you know, crime in Chicago, we got to do something about the guns? Dick Durbin's attitude is that the Second Amendment should not stand in the way of any policy choice that any level of government comes up with uh, as long as they say it's, you know, for uh, public safety. Uh, a gun ban, as long as it's in the name of public safety, completely constitutional. Banning commonly owned magazines, nah, that's fine, as long as it's you know in the name of public safety. Uh, even a, a ban on handguns, presumably, would be okay under Dick Durbin's interpretation of the Second Amendment because governments would say, well, listen, we're putting this ban in place in the name of public safety. Judge Amy Coney Barrett uh, has some very different views, and uh, you know she's talked uh, in great detail over the last couple of days about what originalism means, the idea that you go back to the Constitution as it is written, or, by the way, amendments to the Constitution uh, as they were written to determine the original intent of those writers. Uh, and frankly, to me, <laughs> not only is that the most appropriate a way to determine the constitutionality of laws. It, it's it's the obvious way to uh, try to rule on the constitutionality of laws. Why on earth would you look at something that was written in 1791 and uh, say, well, you know, in 2020, that actually means this? Well, first of all, who's to say that that's the, uh, that that's the case? But more importantly, why does the original intent not matter? If there are flaws in the Constitution, if there are things that need to change, if there are laws that need to change, well, that's why we have a legislative branch. That's why we have an executive branch to sign those laws that are passed by Congress. It's not up to the judiciary to simply make laws, no matter what type of laws we might want them to make. Uh, subverting the role that the legislative and the executive branches play uh, simply uh, allows for activist judges and activist courts uh, and really subverts, again, the original intent of the Constitution that they would have three co-equal branches of government. So let's talk about this with Alan Gottlieb, the founder and executive vice president of the Second Amendment Foundation, who joins me not only to talk about the Barrett confirmation hearings, but also a disappointing decision by the Supreme Court uh, this week denying cert to a case called Rodriguez versus City of San Jose. That means that the court will not hear this case, which it had held over in conference. There was hope on the part of Second Amendment uh, advocates and activists that 
this would perhaps be the the case that the court would take uh, and start hearing some Second Amendment challenges. But uh, unfortunately, that's not the case. We'll get into what Rodriguez versus City of San Jose was all about. Uh, And again, uh, the prospects for a brighter future for the Second Amendment at the Supreme Court if Amy Coney Barrett gets confirmed. Take a look and a listen to our conversation with Alan Gottlieb of the Second Amendment Foundation. Alan, thank you so much, sir, for coming on the program. Great talking with you today. Always great to be with you, Cam, especially with your listeners. Absolutely. Well, listen, uh, you know, we've been watching the uh, the Barrett confirmation hearings over the past couple of days. And I have to tell you, you know, I was pretty impressed with Amy Coney Barrett on paper. I've been really impressed watching Amy Coney Barrett handle the questions from the Senate Judiciary Committee. Well, it's hard not to be. She's been absolutely marvelous. Uh, and I, I think if you take a look at how the Democrats have had to back off a whole lot, it shows that her answers are resonating with the general public, and they probably would be much better off if they didn't have the hearings and they just said, let's just go to a vote. Yeah, I think you're right, honestly. I mean, I saw a poll out today showing uh, support for uh, confirming Barrett is up uh, quite a bit, actually, since the uh, confirmation hearings began. So if you're a Democrat, you're probably kicking yourself, uh, as you say, for giving her the opportunity to uh, you know, explain her positions because they've portrayed her as some sort of, you know, theocratic uh, gun nut who's, you know, going to wipe out the, uh, you know, every gun law in the books and uh, going to, you know, uh, forbid uh, gay marriage, going to repeal Roe versus Wade. And you listen to her and, and you know, she talks about the idea of, of judicial originalism, of looking back to what the intent of not just the founders were when they wrote the Constitution, but also those Americans who were responsible for crafting the Bill of Rights and, and the, what, uh, 17 amendments that have uh, come since um you know and and it's i think it's been refreshing actually to to hear her engage these senators in a way kind of makes me wish i was in law school at notre dame and had the opportunity to have her as a professor honestly because i've learned a lot yeah i can't blame you about that one i i I feel the same way what what's really impressed me though is that she's come across uh with the second amendment that you know the right to keep her arms is really a natural right Mm-hmm. And she understands the roots of it, uh, going way back before we were even a country. Uh, and I love that because that's the real intent of the originalism. And it, it really speaks highly of where she's going to be, how she's going to be ruling, what basis she's going to use when gun cases come to the court. And of course, it's not for lack of trying that opponents of the right to keep your arms, Democrats in the Senate in particular, haven't tried to make her look like an extremist and look crazy on, on guns. Uh, but it just hasn't worked at all. She fits in right in, in the mainstream of, of American general public and gun owners in general. And I'm very, very impressed. And it shows why, Cam, it's so important that she get confirmed and get on the bench quickly. Absolutely. Yeah. Her her line of questioning with uh, Dick Durbin when he was, you know, trying to compare the right to keep your arms with the right to vote and why is it okay for, uh, you know, nonviolent felons to have their rights restored, but you say it's uh, not okay for them to vote. Uh, she handled that incredibly well. First of all, pointing out that that's not actually what she said. She didn't take an opinion on uh, felon restoration of rights, but she did say that, look, that's left up to the states. Uh, and we are talking about the, the right to vote being a civic right. This is something that that we all do as a group uh, and we exercise for the common good, as opposed to the right to keep and bear arms, which the Supreme Court acknowledged in Heller that this is not a collective right. This is not a civic right. This is an individual right to keep and bear arms. Two different parts of the Constitution, two different kinds of rights. And uh, her explanation as to why a, a, a dangerousness finding 
uh, would be uh, more appropriate to, you know, bar somebody from exercising the right to keep and bear arms as opposed to simply a, br- a blanket prohibition uh, on any felony conviction. Uh, I mean, again, I, you know, I, frankly, it's interesting to me, Alan, because, you know, someone like Dick Durbin, he's a guy who is called for all kinds of criminal justice reform. It seems like he's fine with felons getting their rights to vote back, but that's where he stops. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's so disingenuous. I mean, like, you know, I like to say in, in all reality here, uh, is Martha Stewart really a dangerous person? Uh, she was convicted of, of, you know, a, a, a financial irregularity as a convicted felon. Should she not be able to have a right to defend herself in a city like New York where they're defunding the cops? I mean, it doesn't make any sense at all. And, you know, and this is where the Democrats lose the general public because they're just not intellectually honest about the issue at all. Absolutely. Now, speaking of the Supreme Court, uh, there was some disappointing news this week. Uh, the Supreme Court denying cert to a case of the Second Amendment Foundation had brought a uh, case of Rodriguez versus City of San Jose. Uh, very disappointed to see the court once again pass by a Second Amendment case, in this case in particular, uh, because I'll, I'll let you explain the details of this case, but this was an important legal issue here that the court has just decided to leave on the table. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm personally very disappointed being heavily involved and engaged in this case to begin with in the start. It's been a lot of years we've been litigating this case. We're still not done yet, which, by the way, we're going back, we'll probably be going back to court on it anyway. Uh, but I think the court chose not to hear it because we just don't know where the court's going to be. The 4-4 split right now and uh, the ninth judge not being there yet. So I think it may have been a little premature for them. And they, they took it with, they, they ditched it with no comment, so to speak, no, no, uh, dissent opinion or anything from a Clarence Thomas or somebody that usually does. So I think they're just rattled right now on a lot of issues, not just the Second Amendment, but having only eight judges is creating a problem for them taking a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. This case dealt with Mrs. Rodriguez, whose husband has some, you know, mental issues. Uh, she owned guns in a California proof safe so that he couldn't get his hands near the guns. The police, she called the police to come help her out with her husband. They asked if she had guns. She said yes. They said where? They were in a locked safe. They asked her to open it. She opened it and they confiscated her gun. Now, somewhere, why this isn't done in litigation is one of the lower court judges said that, you know, while he ruled against them in giving her a gun back, uh, he said that she could, quote unquote, have the city, uh, sell the guns at a price that she deems fair to a gun dealer, and then if she wanted to, she could legally go buy them back from the gun dealer. Which is, I mean, doesn't, yeah, which is crazy, but there's, so what we're going to do here now, here's what the problem is. We are going to then go back to the city now and say, okay, you know, for $1, those guns go to this gun dealer, and, and Mrs. Rodriguez can buy the guns back for a dollar. The problem the city's going to have is what we believe is, we believe that the city doesn't have the guns anymore. We believe they've either been destroyed or somebody in law enforcement has walked off with those guns. When the city can't produce the guns, then we're going to go back to court again. Okay, well, I'm glad to know that this case is not over. But as you say, I mean, this is an asinine decision that the courts have said, Lori Rodriguez herself, she's not prohibited from owning a firearm, right? Correct. But they've also said that the city of San Jose does not have to give her her legally owned firearms back, even while saying she can go out and purchase more firearms to replace the guns that were taken by the city of San Jose. This is, I mean, this to me is just, again, I'm not an attorney, but I, I do not understand the legal rationale used by the, uh, the courts here in this case. It doesn't pass smell test. It's totally, you know, confiscation of people's property that they can legally own. 
It's just in this case, because it's a gun, the courts don't really want to rule in her favor. And again, it's the hatred of firearms and the hatred of the right to keep their arms that we have to deal with in the courts. Gun rights in the courts don't get treated the same way other rights get treated. And that's extremely unfortunate. Absolutely. We've heard this from uh, Supreme Court justices themselves. Uh, you know, folks like Sam Alito and Clarence Thomas, as you say, uh, Brett Kavanaugh have talked about the lower courts viewing the Second Amendment as a second class right. Uh, and, and again, I mean, that speaks to the importance of having somebody like Amy Coney Barrett on the bench. I, I don't know that she will, uh, if she's confirmed, that she will always rule uh, uh, in support of the Second Amendment. But I know that she will uh, apply the law fairly. I know that she will look at the Constitution and look at the Second Amendment, look at the history and tradition that we have when it comes to the right to keep and bear arms in this country. Uh, and, and it's my hope, and I want to ask you, do you believe that uh, if uh, Judge Barrett has confirmed that we are far more likely to see the, sec- the Second Amendment come before the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court accept some of these cases going forward? I have to give you a definite yes on that. This is a woman who respects the Second Amendment, unlike some of the other ju- judges who hate the Second Amendment and would like to shred it and legislate from the bench. So the fact that she respects the Second Amendment and exercises herself being a gun owner uh, it's a whole lot different than what we're dealing with in, in, in most cases, some of these liberal, liberal nominated and confirmed judges. Absolutely. You know, speaking of that, I got to ask you one last question here because it was, um, I wasn't necessarily surprised. The media does not surprise me with their anti-gun bias anymore, but I still rolled my eyes when I saw this headline from CNN yesterday that is something along the lines of, uh, Barrett says she uh, owns a gun, but says that she can still uh, be fair on the issue. They would never say that about a nominee who didn't own a gun, right? I mean, if, if, if you know, if, if the idea is, well, just because someone's a gun owner, now all of a sudden you have to worry about their uh, impartiality on Second Amendment issues, why would that not apply to non-gun owners as well? I'm really glad you raised that point, because, I mean, that shows where the media is coming from. I'd like to also reference the fact that None of the legacy liberal media, ABC, NBC, CBS, etc., has called me as an example for my comments, you know, on the nominee. However, they've run numerous stories with comments from all the anti-gun group leaders uh, opposing her nomination. And again, they they silence our side completely and publicize the other side's opposition to her nomination. And this is what we're dealing with. If not only the courts not deal with the Second Amendment, you know, the way they deal with the deal with other constitutional issues. Uh, and give it a second-class citizenship, so to speak. The media does the exact same thing as well. And, uh, again, it's, it's disgusting, deplorable. I, I find it, you know, an abuse of the First Amendment when you only allow one side to speak and silence the other side. Absolutely. And it is so important. I, I don't like to toot my own horn here, but it's so important for gun owners to to share things like this program, to share news stories that you see that uh, that do bring across the uh, the gun owner's point of view and the pro-Second Amendment point of view. Share that on your Facebook feed. Share that on your Twitter feed. You can be your own personal news network. Uh, and again, if we're trying to fight that bias in the media, that's one way to go about it. Uh, we, you know, collectively, uh, we may actually have more reach than NBC or ABC or CNN. Uh, but unless we are engaged actively in trying to get the word out about our side on these issues, then you're right. We we will never be heard. You know, I guarantee, I promise you, I will be sharing this interview on all my social media. Well, I appreciate that uh, bowtie gun guy. Uh, that's how you can find Alan on Twitter. Alan, it's always a pleasure talking with you, sir. Thank you so much. I look forward to having you back again in the very near future. My pleasure, Sam. Thank you. 
Appreciate Alan joining us on the program. And uh, again, fingers crossed here that uh, the Supreme Court starts to move on uh, some Second Amendment cases. Uh, again, they've sort of cleared the slate right now, but there are more challenges at the appellate court level that the uh, court will soon have a chance to consider here. And a couple of cases that uh, have already been filed with the Supreme Court for certification, uh, but uh, those cases have not come up in conference yet. So there are still some opportunities for the court to weigh in here on our right to keep and bear arms, and hopefully they will take one of those cases soon. All right, uh, moving on to today's Armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, as well as our recidivist report. We will start there with a tragic story out of New Mexico, K-A-O, or K-O-A-T in uh, Albuquerque, reporting on a uh, shooting uh, in Albuquerque, New Mexico, involving a guy named Matt Montoya, 52 years of age, and a guy unfortunately known to police uh, who managed to escape consequences for uh, a number of violent offenses in uh, recent months. Albuquerque police say Montoya shot and killed his wife Monday morning in the parking lot of a strip mall. They then say that he tried to go pick up his daughter from a local school, uh, a, a local Catholic school. School sent a statement saying the staff stopped him from getting the little girl. Law enforcement says that Montoya spoke with a priest there at the uh, school, then went to a friend's home. Uh, that's where detectives found him. They ended up shooting Montoya. They say that he was armed with a gun, but they're not releasing other details about what happened. Uh, according to KOAT, Court records show that Montoya was charged with aggravated battery against a household member in September of 2019. Police reports in that case show that his wife told officers that Montoya hit her, grabbed her phone, shoved her against the wall. There was another domestic violence charge in January of 2019, and he had two more charges involving another woman in 2001 and 2002. KOAT says in each case, quote, Montoya walked meaning that no prison time, no jail time involved for any of these offenses. In 2005, probation and parole records show that his probation was transferred from Arizona to New Mexico after he was convicted of aggravated assault on a peace officer. So this, again, a, a an individual well-known to law enforcement, multiple violations of the law with no consequences whatsoever to show for them. And so, again, as we hear politicians, including in New Mexico, people like uh, Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham say that the way to uh, uh, reduce incidents like this is to go after legal gun owners. I disagree wholeheartedly. The way to stop incidents like this is to ensure that violent criminals face consequences for their crimes. That's going to be far more effective than going after legal gun owners in the hopes of maybe possibly ensnaring a violent criminal down the road. And unfortunately, New Mexico, that is not what happened with Mr. Montoya. All right, on to our armed citizen story of the day from Laden, Oklahoma, where police say they believe a woman shot and killed a burglar uh, earlier in the week. This was Sunday morning, uh, according to uh, Southwest Oklahoma News, about 545 Sunday morning, police got a call about a uh, break-in with a gun. According to the report, uh, Officer Kevin Poirot arrived to find an older woman yelling in the backyard while holding a revolver. She put the gun down when uh, told to do so by officers. The woman said that a, a man named Tashiro was breaking into her son's home in the backyard when she uh, shot him once before he ran towards the alleyway. Uh, Officer Poirot spoke with a man who lives in the garage behind the home who offered up a, a similar story. Uh, the man identified as Tashiro Tillman. Uh, found in the alleyway south of the home, suffering from an apparent gunshot wound, he was pronounced dead at Comanche County Memorial Hospital. Uh, witnesses taken to the police station to uh, speak with investigators. 
the uh, investigation does continue. Uh, but at this point, the uh, woman not facing any charges. We'll keep our eyes on this story. It looks like this was a, a case of self-defense there in uh, Lawton, Oklahoma. Uh, finally, on to our armed citizen story. Excuse me. Uh, on to our uh, good deed of the day from Texas, Van Alstein, Texas, where an officer was in the right place at the right time and willing and able to uh, do the right thing for a man who had basically been stranded there in uh, Van Alstine. According to uh, KXII-TV, officer got a call on uh, Monday about a man who was soliciting money at a, a local business there in uh, Van Alstine. When Officer Jeffrey Rabb arrived at the uh, quick check business, uh, he said that the man was, quote, visibly upset, told Rabb that he was riding with a woman on her way to a job interview when he got out of the car to ask for money for gas, and the woman then drove off. Officer Rabb said, hey, man, how can I help you? He said the whole situation leading up to her leaving him behind didn't come up. It wasn't necessarily the issue at hand. The issue at hand was that he was left behind without any way back home. Uh, Officer Rab says the man asked him for water, asked him if there was a, a shelter of any kind nearby. Officer Rab said then he said he had family back in Indianapolis. So rather than just dropping him off at a shelter without any funds, no phone, no food, or anything like that, he said the best action would be to get him back to where his familial support is. So Rab went to an ATM, took out cash from his own bank account to pay for a Greyhound bus ticket, gave the guy money for food and water, drove him to the bus stop in Sherman, Texas, and uh, saw him off on his way home. He said there was going to be a 25-hour bus ride for him. Tony Mitchell, who uh, lives nearby, said, I hope that officer and his family get due credit for him showing some compassion when people are throwing rocks at him and talking about defunding them and everything. Cameron Richards, who also lives in Van Alstine, says, wherever you hear stories like this, I think it just gives you a little bit of hope that there are individuals or people that are willing to help others and who are willing to make the world a little bit better place. Officer Rab says the man is supposed to arrive home in Indianapolis around 6 p.m. Tuesday. Uh, hopefully he got where he is going. Hopefully his family uh, is there to uh, help him get back on his feet and uh, in the right place at the right time, willing to be able to do the right thing for a stranger. Officer Jeffrey Rab there in Alstine, Texas. We thank you for your very good deed. That is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program as always. Don't forget, you can subscribe to uh, Town Hall Media on YouTube. Yep, that's where you'll find us. Bearing Arms Cam and Company as well. If you're looking for the audio version, you can find it on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, the townhall.com podcast page. You can find us basically anywhere where you get your favorite podcasts. Hopefully we are one of them. Certainly do appreciate you joining us on the program today, and we'll be back with more of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation tomorrow. In the meantime, be well, be safe, be free, and we'll see you soon with another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company.